Welcome to the Back to Back Films podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. Jacob. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, our main topic this week is the Chinese wuxia genre. Um, we're going to be ta- yeah, talking about Ashes of Time and Come Drink With Me. Uh, so the first film, Ashes of Time, released in 1994. Um, a broken-hearted hitman moves to the desert where he finds skilled swordsmen to carry out his contract killings. It's kind of a okay description of the plot, yeah. I guess. A little bit it's a little more, more into in-depth than yeah. that. But yeah, um, there's a lot going on in that movie. There is, there is. Um, Ashes of Time was written and directed by Wong Kar Wai. It stars Bridget Lin, Leslie Chung, Maggie Chung, Tony Chai Wei Lung, Jackie Chung and Tony Cafe Lung. It's really weird. The names are all like super similar. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that was on purpose or not. It's <laughs> really a weird thing to do. Um, second film is Come Drink With Me, released in 1966. A group of bandits kidnaps the governor's son and demands their imprisoned leader to be set free in exchange. <laughs> Which is a pretty good That's description. That's pretty good description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Come drink with me was written by Ting Shan Si and King Hu, and it was directed by King Hu. It stars Pei uh, Pei Chung, Hua Yu Hua Chi Qing Yang, Hung Lei Chen, and Lao Shen. Um, so I guess what I have first is kind of a little bit of the wuxia gen- genre in general. Oh, cool. Yeah kind of what it is so um i guess i can break into that and then we can kind of talk about the movie specifically because i'm really curious about your guys' thoughts on the okay so we should say this up up front so we watched the ashes of time redux version actually mm-hmm. um they're a little different the original might be harder to watch for some people so and the Redux is a little bit easier to find. So we ended up watching that one, I think, to our benefit, though. Yeah. I think there's a little more to talk about with it. Yeah. I I heard that the original, though, I mean, it's basically lost, I mean, in a way. Like, you can to find degree, it. Yeah. That's why he had to do in, another version, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that movie went through such a production hell that, yeah. like... He made, what, two movies in between making that movie? Yeah. Or at least one movie? It's weird because I guess they're very, very similar. The, really, the main difference is, I think, is the Redux is seven minutes shorter. Yeah. It doesn't contain ch- uh, cello solos from Yo-Yo Ma, and hmm. it's uh, the, the, pa- color the color timing. palette is different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And other than that, it's, I guess, supposedly almost identical, even shot for shot almost. Okay. Just, okay. Uh, just seven minutes shorter. Okay. Hmm. supposedly yeah no it is shorter for sure um and yeah there are like you said the little differences like that so so did did they have to go through and reshoot a bunch of this stuff no 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 reshooting yeah no reshooting at all it was just the used uh like they just used clips that just were a worse like quality than the front than from the original negative i guess oh interesting yeah that's why the color timing is a little like weird because it took them like very good yeah like five years to just shoot the whole film yeah it's weird like it went through such a crazy hell that's why he made um not chunking express he made um, he did make chunking right after it though so he was like in the production of yeah. making chunking while he was like editing yeah fucking yeah ashes of time um but he made i should have written this down yeah One, he produced like, a film uh 
directed by Jeffrey Lau, I believe. That was um, basically a comedic remake of Ashes of Time, or it's a oh. it's a retelling of the book that Ashes of Time is based on, but it's a comedic version. Um, wow. and he produced it. And Ashes of Time is based off of, is a prequel right. movie to a book. Oh, that's what it is. So that's what it was. So the one that he produced by directed by Jeffrey Lau is a comedic version of the book that Ashes of Time is a prequel mm. to. Mm. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's funny. So Ashes of Time, the story is a prequel to the novel The Legend yeah. of the Condor Heroes. Right. Uh, oh, he produced a parody of the novel The Eagle, the Eagle Shooting Heroes. Yeah. And it has the same cast as Ashes of Time. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Um... Why is it not showing me the movie that he made in between? Between what? While he was making Ashes of Time. Was it Fallen Angels? Uh, that was after Chunking. It was after Ashes of Time. Fuck. Hold on. Yeah, he did Fallen Angels after Chunking oh. Express, though. My Blueberry Nights? That, no, that was like 2008. Maybe it was Chunking, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. Chunking he, he made, made to kind of clear his head after the filming of Ashes of Time. Because he was still making Ashes of Time. Yeah. And the, yeah, that's right. He then it was such a crazy production that he made it in between fucking, fucking yeah, it's crazy. making that. And you know uh, what's so funny is Chunking's the one that got him into like international stardom, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. He took a two month break from editing Ashes of Time to make Chunking. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. But you can tell when you see Chung King, it's very like... Oh, really? Just very like, just go on the streets, film, and just get it out of your system type of filmmaking. You know what oh, I mean? I see. Yeah, it's very like... I haven't seen that one yet. It just so has like, a very good feel. like Kind of low know? low budget. Like, you could tell there's not like official departments type of thing. Right. But it's like just... It's beautiful though, too. Sure. But my favorite is... Uh, Fallen Angels and uh, In the Mood for Love. I want to see Fallen Angels. That's that one's been Fallen on Angels Netflix for a while. Amazing. Yeah, In the Mood for Love. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad we watched that one for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, I still I like think that, about that one. I like that this director did In the Mood for Love and Ashes of Time. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you could kind of tell that they're the same, but you really I would can, have, yeah. Fallen I would have never guessed that going oh, in. Nice. Like right? it, but like in hindsight I could see the similarities. You know totally, what I mean? Totally, yeah. He's got a style. And like yeah. even though his style is not like as obvious as like Tarantino, you can tell. Like right. When you watch yeah. his it's like in the production design. It's like in the costume and like mm-hmm. there's like so and like the, his color palettes, there's like there's something there that he's doing. And these his movies framing. were pretty his framing. These movies were pretty cl- made made together pretty like um pretty close to like in his career you know they're only six years apart so yeah his career went through like in the 90s he was like pumping these films yeah. out like crazy yeah um and he's actually worked i've looked i'm looking at his filmography tony what's his name tony lung has been in like almost every one of his films yeah like this grandmaster one looks pretty sick the grandmaster is really good too and it has Zhang Ziyi from fucking Hero and House yeah, of Flying That Daggers one was on Netflix. And... I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, though. Dang. That one's so sick. And it's like based off of It Man, which It Man was yeah, made into its yeah. own thing with uh, Donnie Yen. 
So that's a good little story, though. That guy's a cool, kind of a cool character. Uh, so I guess I'll talk about Wuxia in general, kind of a little history of it, kind of what it is, and then uh, we can talk about the movies. So uh, Wuxia literally translates to martial heroes. It's a genre whose characters are primarily martial artists of various forms and the adventures those characters are involved in. Um, the heroes of these stories are typically of the lower class without lords or political invo- uh, I mean they get involved in politics but they're not supportive they're not some military right. leader yeah. they're like the Jedi <laughs> yeah honestly yeah the fucking dude Lucas <laughs> stole like not stole his influence was very heavily from the Japanese and Chinese um, yeah filmmaking and yeah. storytelling mm-hmm. Uh, they also generally fight for good, redress wrongs, and bring retribution to those who have done wrong. Uh, most of the martial arts in these films are based off of the, quote, wushu techniques, although the skills are obviously exaggerated to a superhuman level. So the whole flying thing, being insane swordsmen and just... You and know, magic. And magic, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's all it's all exaggerated, uh, but it, it works. Uh, so, I mean... I guess a good example and probably a film that most listeners have heard about is uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's kind of the film that uh, brought the genre to the American mainstream and, in fact, led to Netflix even making like a sequel, Mm -hmm. sort of Destiny, based off of it. Um, And still considered one of the best wuxia films, really. Yeah. It made like a ton of money at the box office yeah totally it was kind of one of those anomaly movies yeah it was one of those like calling cards for like asian actors it really was at at the time it was yeah Yeah. and yeah he did a great job of connecting because like freaking chow yun fat i mean we talked about him in like hard boiled he's been around in movies for a long time (laughs) but just in like the chinese hong kong circuit right so you know Freaking uh, Ang Lee did a one crazy job of just uh, bridging that gap. Yeah, you know he was. Right. He's kind of like you know when we talked about Bruce Lee bridging the gap for people. Well, Ang Lee kind of did it as a director, whereas yeah. Bruce Lee did it as the actor. You know, and I mean Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is still talked about. Ang Lee's filmography is so weird. It's so weird. Dude. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, you go from shit like Crouching Tiger to Hulk. Hulk Brokeback Mountain, fucking Life of Pi. Right we did the, Billy Lynn's right Long Halftime Walk. We, yeah, we talked yeah. about that. Like, yeah, his filmography is, is bizarre. Uh, uh, Life of Pi. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. You know? it's just exactly. Like... Yeah, his his filmography is a trip. So he's he's kind of this. He's an anomaly, really. Yeah, he is being yeah. working in the Chinese market and the Hollywood market, and somehow doing having success in both. Like, yeah. His, and he's got a new movie coming out called Gemini Man, sci-fi action thriller. It's going to be interesting. Starring Will Smith, Clive Owen, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Benedict Wong. Huh. That's a very interesting cast. That's an cast. interesting cast. Yeah, yeah wow. <laughs> slated for uh, late next year. Uh, and Hero and House of Flying Daggers are, I think, two other well-known films that are like accessible wuxia or more i guess yeah just straight yeah. up well-known wuxia yeah, right. films you, you can know. get them at your best buy or whatever mm-hmm. you know we talked about hero house of flying daggers for sure because that's um that's zangy moo yeah 
you know, um, Hero is, and House of Flying Daggers. So is House of Flying Daggers is that also English language? I don't think so. I don't think it is. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think no, so. No, from what I remember, it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's Chinese. Yeah, or Mandarin nice. or whatever. But Zeng Mu just like knows what's up, dude. Like when it comes to to these types of films, like he really knows. Yeah, he's got that on. just that scope down. Yeah, you know, just how to shoot that and stuff. You know, and he's so dedicated to the shot. Like with Hero, like when we were talking about how oh, like that leaf scene yeah. when he had to truck in like the leaves <sighs> yeah. to make sure he got the yellows right and like you know had making sure the choreography is right, like, picking the ones that were like more yellow yeah. to be in the front and the ones that were more green in the back and shit mm-hmm. it's like, oh my god it's so insane and i've seen parts of house of flying daggers i'd really like to watch it it's really good it, i don't think it i don't it's not as good as hero to me but it's still really hero good. is like how do you top hero like, hero <laughs> yeah. is just fucking incredible dude it's great really I, like incredible. all the colors and that and that's something that i uh, noticed with not with come drink with me as much but with ashes of time like all the um it just felt like there was like a palette that they were going Absolutely. for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure, but I, sure. I didn't quite feel that with Come Drink With Me. And I wonder if that's just because of the technology. You know, I, I, I bet at the time they were going for a color, but it just didn't come through as much as Ashes of Time. I think the focus with Come Drink With Me was not on color. No. Like there was nothing yeah. about it that was like this color, you know, she was kind of green, but so was the, the fucking hidden master guy. and then that one dude yeah. was all like white yeah he had yeah. the white yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah it was it was a little more literally black and yeah. white in that yeah. sense right yeah where because it, it's melodramatic it's in the red blood yeah right <laughs> but exactly. like but ashes of time had like like regular colored people with like a yellow camel you know what i mean yeah. like the yeah. the like the color and i wonder if that has to do with the fact that the redux come out in 2008 after like color correction technology came out i bet they just went through and did all that kind of stuff to like make it visually well then they impactful. did the weird ass like you know lsd looking fucking yeah color palettes that made no sense you know yeah it was weird like very gold and red yeah and blue. you'd have these weird gradients of like purple and yellow and yeah like, yeah where yeah. the sky's like purple and mm-hmm. the rest is like exactly yeah it's weird yeah it was super weird um all right, so the term wuxia itself is a relatively new creation, but the idea of the jia or the zia portion of it uh, goes back at least 2,000 years. In Chinese literature, uh, multiple authors, philosophers, and storytellers talk of the jia. Uh, it's it's kind of similar to like the American concept of superheroes oh. in that sense. Um, sure. Loosely, loosely. So, you know, people with extraordinary abilities who perform daring deeds. Basically. Oh, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it makes um, sense. I mean, like, I, visually, you can see the connections, too. 100%. 100%. You know, like yeah. how they're like, like this, it's a little more like you could buy what they're doing in superhero movies a little more because, like, they have superpowers mm-hmm. or they have, like, a suit that gives them super abilities. But right. this is, like, dramatized like movements which i almost i almost like that more yeah you know what i mean yeah. they don't waste time okay that's not correct they don't spend the time uh explaining or justifying why yeah. the characters can right. do they just they're masters of yeah. what they do so they yeah. do yeah. it where yeah. the superheroes that you tend to we need the origin story why do they do that yeah. why can't you know and they I mean? also have like franchises in a way 
Mm-hmm. Like there's like, you know, Zato- Z- Zatoichi, but I guess that's Japanese, but like, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Golden Swallow, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just, you know, different, there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Just have they their kind own... of were doing what superheroes do now, yeah. but just early yeah. on. But, and a lot of the ones that were done by like Run Run Shaw productions and stuff is like, you had like four different people sit, play the same character, mm-hmm. kind of like the Italian uh, westerns, mm-hmm. you know, with like the same guy would play Django, you know. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, or it's, different guys playing Django. It's yeah. like really amazing when you when you start to look at it, like how influential the Chinese Japanese yeah. filmmaking style was yeah. on other styles. Because like, Big time. like you said, Zatoichi is the same way. Where like a bunch of people have played that character. Yeah, you know, right. Uh, Just like Tim Burton's Batman's, you, right. you know, like mm-hmm. same same idea, and like. Like the suddenly these like these other movies are calling cards. I I I'm not sure the timeline of this, but like other movies are like calling cards for like, hey, the the these guys did it this way. We can also do this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like here's proof that this works. That it's fine to switch out these characters. Yeah, yeah. Americans utilizing the work of the Asians again and again. <laughs> oh, man. And and the and the, it's both ways, man. You know, I just I think. Uh, you know, I, I think Americans just profit more off of it. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. I think it's interesting, though. Like, just, I mean, I don't think the superhero franchise model would be half of what it is without the wuxia films no. of the 60s, yeah. 60s yeah. to the yeah. 80s, you know? No. And, and like we said earlier, Star Wars, it, it's like, not, you know. Yeah, with the, without Samurai, Star Wars wouldn't exist. Yeah. Well, even all. like Indiana Jones, you could look at and be like, dang, like, mm-hmm. they took elements from those films. I mean, look at Temple of Doom, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, right. like yeah. there's definitely, like, I mean, you could look at any probably franchise and see, like, oh, they took this from this 1966, you know, sort of, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, totally. Because, like, I mean, Wuxia itself is a is a form of escapism. Yeah. Which is what yeah. the Hollywood model excels off of. Right, exactly. You know, the the stories of the of the Jia and the Wuxia later on were like these stories that had these characters that were came from a class that you could relate to but were doing things that were good for it or mm-hmm. trying to better themselves and get out of yeah. the, the the poverty that they existed in. And it was cool because um, like all these different Wuxia masters like were masters of different Things, exactly yeah you know which yeah. like right. really made that whole like world basically endless, always with you know? the intention of good though yeah that's the yeah. key that 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 thread that lines through everything is like cool. they were always about good and they were always about helping the people who were helpless yeah. essentially um and in that sense they were reactionary you know the liter literature itself was reactionary to the prevailing powers yeah uh, and you know it was banned at different points like yeah. this, this genre of literature was banned because it apparently aroused um, anti-government sentiments in mm. readers and stuff, you know, wow. because that was a thing as they were battling against like the, the status quo, the yeah. structure of the government. It was this one person coming in being like, nah, I'm not going to let you do that. And That's they would fight, you know, yeah, and, and change things. So, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And that's why Hollywood, it's like Hollywood can play off that because Hollywood is like the only reason Hollywood exists at all. Is because of escapism. I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, that's it. Yeah. I mean, especially Disney. Especially yeah. Disney. You know, when you look at Disneyland, the amusement parks. When you look at their yeah. shows, their network, their movies, everything is about how can we get people s- separated from 
the their reality, reality of their life yeah. and into yeah. the happiest place on earth. Yeah, it's but yeah, I was gonna say specifically happy mm-hmm. for Disney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like universe, like you know, with like Jot, like Steven Spielberg early stuff. It's not necessarily like happy, but it but it is escapism still. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. And it's weird how like like Italian we we did Italian neo realism before. How like they that is their response to what happened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and like they were coming out fresh off of that, and I feel like they needed that. But because we we're in kind of a lull, we need escapism. You know what I mean? But like after <laughs> yeah. after 9/11 happened, it was like Spider-Man was escapism, but it had pretty heavy like 9/11 sh- uh visual interest yeah, right. in that movie. Very. And like we had all those 9/11 movies that came out around then. Um mm-hmm. so it was like, "Hey, here's how we like deal with this." And yeah. even like South Park did like a Bin Laden has farty pants, I think was the name of the episode. And it was <laughs> yeah. like this like here here cope with this you know mm-hmm. but now yeah. we're in like this weird lull and it's like well let's just do escapism because yeah. we're bored <laughs> you know yeah, it's we, like there's no tragedy that's happening around but us. but i think we're we're in that mode now where it's like it's kind of post escapist a little bit where it's like yeah we get we want to watch this but we also get that like our life is bad but we kind of want to face that right you know? yeah. i think i think yeah. boomers and I hate to kind of categorize generations like this, but but <laughs> for lack of a better way to describe it, I guess boomers kind of were were hardcore escapists, you know. Even yeah. and then even their generation right before that, especially in the fifties and sixties, was like, you know, well that wasn't escapist. That was like perfection, like perfection of the family. Mm-hmm. Then the boomers were like, you know, we we want to reject that, <laughs> but but the escapists started to really pump up in the eighties yeah. and nineties and then two thousands then. I think our generation is kind of looking at it like, look, we have serious problems. We can't just not. We can't just push it under the rug anymore. We can right. see the pile under the rug. We have right. to deal with it. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, it's interesting because like early two thousands, I think like Pixar was getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. with like The Incredibles and stuff like that. And I think that was mm-hmm. like post nine eleven. And I think people that were of that age, of that younger age when those came out, still love those movies. But I think we're also now demanding like okay let's see like real world like uh, like you said like i don't know how to describe that like th- like, th- like themes like yeah, themes yeah taken yeah, from yeah. right yeah it's like we yeah. want what those gave to us as kids but now that we're adults we want to see those same like characters tackle what we're now going through yeah which yes. is like more adult a more true reflection right. of the life issues that we're right. dealing with Right. right, and that's yeah. literally like what, like Captain America: Civil War was. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like here's all these characters that you love, and they're tackling the Patriot Act. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's here's, you know, uh, Black Panther was like that too. Here's yeah. all here's these here's these superhero characters, and they're gonna, uh, you know, tackle a, a black. Uh, um, colonialism or anti-colonialism and 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 the loss of black culture mm-hmm. in america right, right you know and it's like that's yeah you guys are totally spot on that's totally true yeah so i think yeah I, it's really interesting to see how the wuxia genre kind of uh, affects that but also at the same time like it kind of is a reflection of all of our phases throughout american 
like the American what we just been talking about, like yeah. the growth of Americans. So like the you know maybe the fifties and sixties were a little different because that's kind of what Wuxia was starting to really pick up. But once Wuxia did and kind of and filmmakers started to really see it and there's that international bridge between cinema, you know, it really started to really affect Hollywood yeah. in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, even if Hollywood doesn't, I mean, the people of Hollywood who started to build these films will never admit to that. They, <laughs> yeah. they did really steal those ideas and then utilize it yeah. for themselves. So, um, and you can't like, but you you also can't own ideas. You know what I mean? So right. It's like, I mean, yeah, you're. That's right. That's right for sure. Yeah. But it is so like that's like free. That's like fair game for whoever wants to take. I, I, I feel sure. like I feel like you know James Cameron and Rodriguez and all these people that saw these seventies and sixties like Uja films like thought they were the only ones seeing them in a yeah, way you know sure. what i mean like because because yeah. like you know they weren't mainstream so they were like and they were movies that they loved yeah so then they like you know borrowed things like you know james cameron borrowing things from anime films of the 90s to mm. put into avatar and even terminator and you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and now we see them because now anime is more prevalent and we mm-hmm. can see those old films now that weren't as accessible back then. Totally. And it's right. the same thing with Usha, Usha films is like, oh my God, like the Wachowskis totally took that from this movie and this movie and that movie and this movie. But yeah. we would never have really have known in the early 2000s because those films weren't accessible to us as exactly. they are now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now it's easy. Yeah. For sure. I and, mean, you could go on YouTube and just Google. <laughs> you could go on YouTube and Google. You can go on YouTube and search <laughs> uh, like Tarantino rips off. And I'm sure you'll get like a billion hits, but like there's like scenes that are like shot for shot, like from Kill Bill. Yeah, that totally. Are just like like literal, like they're they're not rips because it's not like they're ripping the same footage. Like they reshoot the footage, but it's like edited in the same exact Dude, way. Are you kidding me? Come drink with me. He literally stole every fight scene out of that movie. <laughs> are you kidding me? Well, the that's, Kill Bill that's scene. The weird thing like... about <laughs> that's the weird thing about Come Drink with Me is uh, he was. In like 2008, he was like slated to do a remake of it. He was exactly, yeah, exactly, dude. He, I mean, you could tell the way that he he framed her in the center as this like, and the way she kind of defends herself and fights, Mm -hmm. dude. Kill backing up on the table. Yes, yeah. Kill Bill was, and he's he's very known for that, which is fair because like I mean, that's what art is. Is you look at other art yeah. and you say, "I like that. I want to do something like that." Yeah. And then you stamp yourself on to that. You know, and that's how it evolves. Pulp, pulp right? fiction but, is literally just that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and he's the only one who actually just admits it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think everyone. I, I think maybe I think other people too, a little bit. want to like put more of their stamp on it. Like, do more of like a soft reference i don't know i'm totally just pulling shit yeah out of my ass no i right think now. i think he's a little more like yeah I, I love this so i did exactly like that i think some people they will use it as a reference point you know because a lot of what i've seen a lot too as i try to dig more into how people create films is they literally i mean you pull screen caps or you pull pictures yeah. Yeah. of yeah. you put a book together yeah you pull paintings and say look i want it this is the this this painting that's super amazing because the artist was at their peak of art at the time. Yeah. I want a shot like that, you know? And so you develop shots based off of that, yeah. you know? And nowadays yeah. we can screen cap. So I can pull from 80 movies shots. I like, yeah, literally make like a storyboard yeah. and fucking say, 
copy that, you know? And <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be the same, right? but it'll be something like it, yeah. you know? But when you do that, you, you can show your investors what it is that you're making. Exactly. You know? So it's like the idea of like an, like if you ever watch like an animated movie like behind behind the scenes, they edit together like a storyboarded version of the story with mm-hmm. some rough scratch VO, you know, over yeah, the whole thing. Totally. And it you could you could literally do that same exact thing for movies, um, and we've been able to do that for a long time because of accessibility. But now anyone can just like do that absolutely you know, anyone could take screen grabs of anything off of youtube and just throw some vo and like create your movie you absolutely. know what i mean yeah. with like whatever shots that you want and people are doing that with music videos you know mm-hmm. yeah. like just taking things from other youtube videos or movies and then just editing them like fucking crazy putting yep. on you know their favorite yeah. anime soundtrack soundtrack to it and then it's like their own thing you know <laughs> yeah crazy uh, so kind of like what I was saying, the 20th century sort of, so it stagnated a little bit, especially since film kind of was developed in the early 20th century. Um, so the, the genre kind of came up again, uh, the sixties to the eighties is kind of considered the, the golden age of this genre, um, which is where like stuff like come drink with me came out of, which is considered one of the best, um, it's actually, I've seen even considered possibly the best film to come out of Hong Kong. So, hmm. up to you with for that one. Uh, but this is also uh, when many of the plots and motivations of characters became more romantically focused. So earlier on, it was more political focused or social socially focused. Whereas like now, you know, like Ashes of Time is almost is is a fucking wuxia romance, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's all it's all about the 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 way the women affect the men. Um, and that just becomes more pr- uh, prevalent as the wuxia grows, wuxia genre grows. Um, and even though that it has risen kind of to prominence more recently, it pretty much almost always takes place in either ancient or pre-modern China. Mm. You know, so there's not really a modern. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> there is, but off the top of my head, I can't think of sort of modern wuxia film i guess just kind of the nature of it but i'd really like to see that i'd really like to see it would a, be cool to see i guess hard-boiled is kind of like that because it's like these crazy hmm. gunfights where they do super kind of unrealistic you know yeah superhuman sort of gun battles i mean i guess right. like the matrix kind of right the matrix like, yeah matrix, 100%, you know yeah. um because they actually the use say kung like, fu yeah the Ma- and the matrix they like wrap it in reality yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, like, you can buy this because it's a computer program. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about these two movies um, and kind of what they, I mean, just the aspects of it. So, like, obviously, the things that really stuck out to me with Ashes of Time is kind of its plot or lack thereof. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really have a plot. I mean, it does kind of have a, a yeah. rough outline, but... People seem to be, like I was reading, people were like super confused by it, which I didn't, I don't know why. I feel like that's pretty straightforward. I but. I was confused. Really? By it. Okay. Yeah, I, I was confused, and then I, I understood the romance aspect of it, but I, it was just, I still liked it, but I was confused by like the maybe first 40 minutes so t- I was just like, what am I tr- supposed to be following? I, like, there was a lot of characters. I don't speak 
Mandarin, so I, I bet if I spoke Mandarin, <laughs> I would I could make some sense of it. But it was it was a little um, there there was a lot of I don't want to say complexities because it, it does seem very simple. But there I, I just I had a hard time like following what was okay happening. Let's start. You there, know what though. I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Let's start there. So like, what is there stuff now that you're still kind of confused about? Like what what about it? Like more specifically, I guess. Um, I think I think it's just like the intricacies of the beginning of the plot, like all, basically all the all the stuff outside of um, the romance part. Okay, like where people like who people were. Okay, I I wasn't hundred percent sure on which characters were who. Okay, um, for sure. Yeah, it took me a second to get that too. Yeah. Okay, so basically, and there's a lot of characters. You know, you know what I mean. Let's see if I there's can... enough characters for me to be confused. <laughs> no, there is a lot. There's a lot of characters, and it was really hard to keep track of names for yeah. sure. But so, I, I, let me see if I can kind of clear it up a little bit. So basically, what happens is this: there's this hitman who is now kind of like a problem solver guy who's living in the middle of the desert, um, which seems to be some sort of like uh, rest stop or, or stopping point for yeah. a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. And he's very well known. Um, the first kind of character to pop up is the uh, I think his name is Huang or Huang. Um, he's kind of the long haired guy who gets drunk. He brings the sure. wine, the wine that that, yeah. you, that makes it so you can't remember. And he's sure. um, he's a master. So all the people he encounters are masters of the cardinal directions. I think his is east. He's like the master of the east or something. And and they've known each other for a long time he he expects him every year um they've they've fought they were best friends yeah it even says later that uh they fight each other and i think the main character dies to his hand or something like that um spoiler (laughs) (laughs) um and then (laughs) he is has a woman but also starts to get involved with so there's a character that is both the same character who calls himself the brother and the sister. It's yin and yang. Um, sure. And it's the same character. The same person, even, <laughs> in, the same, in the story. Uh, it's just a perception of that character based on the the which story is being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's sort of a, like a, a, sh- uh, a crack in the psyche to kind of deal with it, almost. So, like, she kind of created this brother character to kind of deal with it and create and seek revenge on this guy because he he promised to marry her and then didn't. Yeah. Um, and then she comes to the guy, the, the the dude who's in the desert, to kill the other guy and try and, and co- kind of work that out. But he kind of realizes that it's the same person, basically. Right. Um, and then Tony Lung plays a sword master who uh, starts to go blind. And then he is hired to defend the village because there's this village that's being attacked or whatever by this group because of, uh, I can't remember exactly, they killed like they killed someone in the group or something like that. So he's hired, he, the, the guy in the desert hires the blind swordsman to defend, right? And he dies. The guy in the, in the desert is what's the confusing is the most confusing part, I think. You think mm. so? Yeah, because he's kind of just like this dude. He is just you know a what dude. I mean? Like but he is the <laughs> integral. He's the thing that holds everyone together. Though. He is, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find his his uh, o- Oyang Oyang Fang. Yeah, Oyang Fang 
is the guy. Okay, so Huang Yaoshi, Eastern Heretic, is what he's called. Ouyang Fang is the Western Venom. Um, Yin and Yang is the Dugu Kui, uh, Kubai. The Blind Swordsman. Peach Blo- He has a wife. She's the Peach Blossom. She's the one with the, on the horse and yes. stuff. Yeah. And he, she's, he's like, yes, I want to go see the Peach, peach Blossoms one last time before I go blind. He's referring to his wife, uh, that woman, his wife. Um, and then the Northern Beggar. Okay, so so the Blind Swordsman gets killed. Um, and he kind of knows the Eastern Heretic. But the Eastern Heretic kind of falls to the wayside. And so does the Yin Yang character. They kind of, yeah, they kind of fall to that. the wayside. Uh, the northern beggar comes in. He's the guy who loses his finger for an egg. <laughs> um, he's also hired to defend the town. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Um, so, and that's kind of his story. And he's then, the one that has his girlfriend, wife, or whatever. The wife him, right? shows up and won't yeah. leave. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who's interesting because his he's kind of this theme of like it's that idea of like. You know, you don't know when you have it good, so you keep searching for it, but then you realize that you do yeah. have it good type yeah. of thing. So yeah. then that's why he ends up taking her um, along. Uh, and then there's a the girl with the mule who's kind of causing some strife, right? She's yeah. the cause of why he loses his finger. She's doing with the eggs, um, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And then uh, you find out later that um, Maggie Chung shows up. And she was actually Ouyang Feng's wife or whatever, girlfriend, initially, <laughs> until he left to go fight, and she married his brother. Yeah. Which I think is Ouyang. Maybe? Maybe it's Eastern Heretic. Maybe. Uh, I think that might have been I think it was out. Eastern Heretic, right? Yeah. So, it's a little confusing, <laughs> but that's, that's the gist of it. It all revolves around a woman at some point. Yeah. There's always a woman yeah. who seems to be, like, the men are so intertwined and they want you know they want these women but then they're driven to other things because of their like swordsmanship and and martial arts and stuff right so with under with that sort of understanding if you watch the movie again it might be a little more like kind of clear right um that's kind of the gist of it basically it's just it's vignettes it's Mm -hmm. four vignettes describing how these characters are connected because it's a prequel to the novel it was a it was a, an attempt to humanize the characters in the novel because I don't think that I think they're more legendary. Yeah, I've never read yeah. the novel personally, but I think they're more legendary in that regard. Hence, like they have like the the northern beggar, the eastern heritage, yeah. stuff like that. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it. And then it's just kind of these people dealing with those moment to moment problems. Um, and from what I could understand from the book, the there's a character that's kind of um, ruthless and bad, <laughs> you know. And the movie the movie humanizes him, so this is like in his in the, uh, in the final like it, it, it gives him a like the romance is like used to like humanize him basically, mm-hmm. basically say here's why he is like this. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. So Oh Young Fang, the main guy, I think in the book is is who you're referring to. Yeah. Um, he's yeah right here it says he's a ruthless villain in the book uh, yeah so this this was a this was a attempt to kind of bring all these masters together in an earlier point in their mm-hmm. life because they've all they've all crossed paths at some point 
um, which I thought was really interesting. I thought it was a really cool way to tell the story, honestly, because it just you just kind of live with someone for a little while. Yeah, and like yeah, I can see how it probably drove him nuts though, making it and editing it. Oh, totally. You know, dude. just keep making sure that it all works and mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it, like I, yeah, it'd be too complicated for me i think <laughs> to do yeah you, know? no, you beat your head against the wall and then you got to re-edit yeah. it later and for a 93 minute film it's condensed as fuck you yeah, know what is. i mean yeah. like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a very interesting way of shooting it too yeah like he didn't he always kept the characters together i noticed like yeah. you know even if the camera had to float around it wasn't like a cut to a character he does that a lot in a lot of his movies i noticed that in in the mood for love where they would frame them kind of in the front and back yep or the camera Mm -hmm. might float from one like in in ashes of time that basket scene when they're when they're talking to each other around the basket and the camera kind of floats left and right Right. and like it floats to whoever's talking and then kind of she moves but then he comes into the frame and he starts talking and like the blocking of it is very very smooth he does it too with uh, fallen angels and chunking express he has this lens it's almost like a fisheye and it just kind of makes it just kind of makes all of his uh uh character or all of his characters kind of always in the frame with each other i like that and it's very interesting yeah yeah and speaking of that scene that scene has some excellent blocking and lighting blocking yes like it's like a perfect example of how those two need to be used in unison 100 percent. like with the light hitting them like through the basket Mm -hmm. as they're going left to right left to right and then it cuts and she doesn't have that light on her while while he does Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like the most it's like the coolest cut of the entire thing (laughs) suddenly like that light is not hitting her face, and it's super interesting. And it totally highlights that part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like right. What she says right there is absolutely is, is, is very impactful because of that. And the flow of it, like it's so. Because sometimes I think, especially with directors who don't know how to block a scene, mm-hmm. it'll feel chunky. Or that one was just like, okay, we're we're over here. And then we're over here, and the characters when they walk into frame, it's like you 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 expect it to happen. Yeah. You the when it does, and it's like their conversation just continues, but they're both in the frame when it happens. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like he doesn't he doesn't let them sit out here saying something. He lets them come in and and be in your visual eye yeah. while they're having this conversation. That's you know pretty it, deep. In my letterbox review, I. I described it as like brush strokes that he's using yeah, in the sense of like go. the editing isn't what you're focusing on because his editing is actually very like some in some parts choppy and like certain outdoor scenes are like like it would just be a shot of like the desert and it would be like just a little too short than what it maybe should mm-hmm. should have been. Mm-hmm. But because of the way he blocks everything and the way everything just kind of goes together, it's like a painting. You don't look at necessarily every individual color to see the painting. You see how the the the, the artist uses the blue and mixes it in with the white mm-hmm. so you can get that full look. And that's what he's doing with the film. I think so. And that's what's so interesting about yeah. what his, his films it's it has a flow to it, but not in a sense of like of an actual like you're looking at it a visual cutting flow. It's a flow yeah. of like movement ideas themes and like blocking and lighting and it's a completely different look it's definitely a more eastern 
probably style of filmmaking than what we have here. I've never seen a Western it film. It feels philosophical. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah the Eastern totally philosophical. Because he saves his editing for the fight scenes. Exactly. Which are very few. Yeah. For yeah. a Wuxia film, there's very little fighting. Yeah. And and this. they're short. Yeah. Yes. They're very short. And they're too. hidden. You don't really see a lot. I mean, it, when you do kind of see stuff, it actually is pretty violent. Yeah, it was but, bloodier yeah. than I was expecting. Right. I mean, I Same. wanted more. Me but, too. But, yeah, too. Like, but it was, but it was cool. so hidden, too. That part, oh my God, my favorite part is when he's like describing like death or something. And he's, it's like a shot from, like the camera's looking down at him and he's, his head is looking up at the camera and the blood is just gushing from that his neck. That was a great shot, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was when God. the blind swordman gets killed. Yeah, is, that was That was pretty sad epic. to me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sad, yeah. And the way, like, he's, like, the, the voiceover is going and the, the music and it's the way, it's, like, slow motion. It's just, like, all this blood coming out. I'm like, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then that gets used later, too, which yeah. I thought was really interesting because he ties it into the story with the, the beggar. You're right. When he's, like we can learn something from this. Yeah. So they look at the mm-hmm. body and they realize the slash came from a side yeah, and he's left-handed all like, swordsman. Yeah. So you got to pay attention to that. You that know? was cool. Like, and all the, the body's like almost like mummified. Yeah. Shit. It was that super, was that was grotesque too. Yeah, that was, that was cool. pretty like gnarly gore, yeah. like to show the body as, as they <laughs> showed it. So it, it did, when the violence and the stuff does pop up, it's, it's, it's nice because it's short, which keep, makes it poignant. Yeah. He does right. that with Fallen Angels too. The violence in that movie is awesome, but there isn't a whole bunch of it, which makes you want to see more, but it also makes the violence like more... It said it makes the violence more important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just like if the whole movie was violence and it's like, eh, the whole thing is just violent. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. It's, I mean, it's, I picture it sort of like visually like a heartbeat. Like, you, yeah. you know, you have that moment where it's kind of like it's steady and then pop. But, yeah, steady, exactly. Pop, yeah. yeah. Steady, I mean, pop, exactly. You know? He really knows like like placement of action, yeah. you know, within his films. I mean, it's like that for In the Mood for Love too, where totally. there's those parts of them together in the street are these like pulses of where you're just focusing on them in this like mm-hmm. city Good point. but then the parts of him them where they're in that those apartments with those people surrounding them it's not quite the same you know because yeah. they're surrounded by people so it's like Wong Kar Wai just knows those beats he does and in, yeah. a, in, a, in a way that is so different from anybody that makes films in the west which is know? why his films take so so much effort yeah, and so, I mean, even the mood for love took a long time, right? Yeah, just to edit and make sure that it, it worked, and you can see, I think more so than any director we've ever talked about, his style not only transcending and and appearing in every film, but this buildup of it, right? Like Ashes mm-hmm. of Time is a complete buildup to In the Mood for yeah, Love. Yeah, it is. Later. It is. Yeah, and, and, and your, it, your opinion, yeah. Chunking Express, and and in yeah. uh, Fallen Angels too, right? Yeah. Like it's really, really fascinating, and his his him is he's almost like a living metaphor for these films. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he his filmmaking is like, Busha. I think Ashes of Time is is a fascinating. It's extremely hard to watch because of the bad quality, and the sound is kind of weird in places, and and, and it's yeah. slow. Yeah, I just wish really it was slow. A... But it's a fant- like phenomenal movie to really look yeah. at as like a meditation. Yeah. And some of the sound is amazing right. like in this movie. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. So it's like, yeah, there's like some weird tinny sounding stuff. They kind of it almost sounds like it was like a uh like a cam, like like a theater camera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like filming it. And yeah. it, some of it almost kind of looks like that too to to an extent. Totally. Yeah. Um but the stuff that is 
dope that sound wise it's just like this scene is amazing yeah. because of the sound. absolutely you know what i mean absolutely. and like it totally works with like the with the low frame rate and the the uh the, the with the fucking with the shutter speed or whatever yeah. you know so it's super blurry mm-hmm. um he does that in all of his movies yeah i mean and in it's the like, mood for love not so much but right but it's like so good because he it's plays like, with the speed the sound yeah. does it yeah yeah, yeah the sound for sure the sound and that's the thing it goes and that comes with the re-editing right mm-hmm. of the original yeah. is like you're not you don't have it's like pulling a copy off of youtube of your film and then having some negative like the original raw footage <laughs> and then trying to like you know once you pull off youtube you can only mix so much because it's a it's yeah. a mixed down version of everything so you don't have the full so you're combining you know shit like that like maybe i recorded off my phone too and yeah. i added that you know like it's mm-hmm. just this crazy mix and you, you have to try and find ways to to get it to work as basically a modern metaphor for what yeah. he did yeah it's like because because yeah. it was not the raw stuff you know just with the weird production history of this yep. movie um it's really interesting it's really fascinating i'm glad this was a really interesting one like i'm really glad jacob picked in the mood for love and we talked about this. I'm glad Nate picked neorealism because yeah. that kind of connects into this too. <laughs> it's like, dude, we have like our podcast is becoming this weird, like synchronistic, like, like all these things we talk about are like all connecting all of a sudden. Well, I think it's because we've been picking such a broad range of different. That's I true. Mean, I mean, yeah. like we've, we've brought Tarkovsky in a lot of conversations Mm-hmm. A, a film that Tarkovsky maybe wouldn't have been brought in if in, in a different podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I think we're just we've been doing a good job at really just doing a broadening, very, very different films. You know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. It's like we've. It's one of those things where we've like made all these brushstrokes, yeah. and we're kind of like, well. No one really sees what's going on. Yeah. And then we're finally getting to that point where, like, they're connecting everything. Yeah. And now, you know, we're almost kind of, like, yeah. to this finished, like, painting almost. Like, <laughs> right. It's kind of a trip, dude. It's and now of, we have all these little details to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, we got the frame where now we're just going to be, like, you know, making the 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 details yeah like you said mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the like, actual the actual art piece together now yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like when bob ross does that last little stroke and you're like oh there's the whole painting yeah. suddenly yeah. yeah you're like oh yeah. this is this is a beautiful landscape this is a vista <laughs> exactly i could have i thought it was a, a bunch of oranges but it is definitely a vista <laughs> exactly one stroke exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah you know it could be any our podcast could be literally anything from here on out you know just one stroke can can push it in any direction it's true it's all we need is one stroke just one stroke that's I, i've been begging you guys the whole pod just do just one for man. one you just guys one. come down to my uh, recording studio in my bedroom <laughs> will tiffany be happy with that let's take over your bedroom for a little bit I, i'm you guys would have to pay the rental fee but i'm sure we could work it out. <laughs> uh let's uh i kind of want to talk a little bit about come drink with me before we get too much into this hour, um, because I think this is a really interesting movie to talk about with archetypes. So um, hmm. I think Ashes of Time kind of touches on this, but I think Come Drink With Me really is the one that really like pushed this a lot. Yeah. Because I like when I'm watching this, I was watching it, she, she comes in. So you have first, this movie starts with the, the archetype of the 
sort of like a Robin Hoodish type character. Like I'm gonna like mm-hmm. come in and I want to save you, but he's actually kind of he's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he but his motives are like <laughs> I want to save my leader, so we're gonna uh, trap this caravan and take someone else hostage. Right. Yeah. She comes in, which is super interesting because it's a female protagonist, mm-hmm. Wuxia Master, right? Like, which is awesome. Not Wuxia, but like martial arts master. Yeah. You know, she's like, she knows what she's not a master, but she's very well trained yeah. and underestimated, especially a male dominated, male centric culture, right. 60s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is, this is like crazy. <laughs> I mean, this is like mind blowing shit that she can do this. Right? <laughs> she's, she's surprising everyone. But, when that dude, when the fucking drunk guy rolls in, I I told I told Kaylin, I was like, he's a master. Watch, watch it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking twenty minutes later, he's showing his his yeah. like prowess. Right? I was like, you yeah. know what it's gonna be, and that's what I mean by the archetypes. Is like this movie really, I think, helped define the wuxia archetypes of people. Okay, yeah. You mm. know what I mean? So like, you have the the main character who knows their shit. You want them to know their shit. We're, we're with them because they know their shit. But they get cocky. And something happens where they're, they, they, they rush into the beast and the beast ends up hurting them. Right? <laughs> In this case, she goes to the temple head first. Right. And even the guy was like, yeah, you know. That's a good way to do it. Don't try and be. <laughs> don't try and use anything else. You're smart, right? Just go rush in there. And she ends up being poisoned for it, right? Uh, and then she encounters the master the hidden master right who's a master and then lives a nomadic life because of something bad that happened in his life right something yeah. in this case and this is kind of a, a stereotypical archetype too where like his master was killed maybe by a student mm. or like his master was killed so he had to defend or like he had to defect because people were thinking badly about it, right so he goes into hiding kind of as a dumb idiot traveler <laughs> Uh, who's actually super skilled so but that character comes in later as her master he teaches her like pay attention yeah. you know you know and mm-hmm. then and takes care of her right he's the one who saves her with from the poison and everything and then you have the the you know dumb master's rival <laughs> with the fucking uh i don't remember what they called him in the movie the bald guy the the head monk guy, Abbot, the Abbot. Oh, the Abbot, yeah. So they trained, but the Abbot was the bad guy. He's the one who killed the original. Yeah. Right. So, and that's really common to have. Ha- I mean, fucking Batman. Right. Right. The mm-hmm. Batman. The fucking Shit. Batman begins literally as yeah, the same that's plot. Right. Um, <laughs> where he trains. <laughs> well, it's a little different, but he trains with fucking Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Thinking that they're kind of training under this other guy, Razagul ends up being the you know. So they fight later, and they they, right. they collide. That's even done in like Tibet or something, right? Yeah, Razagul yes. isn't it in it's, Tibet? It's, so it's like in, kind yeah, of in the so. far far east somewhere. Totally. I can't. Yeah, it's very. So it's like much. literally like he goes into Wuxia world and comes back as Batman. Hundred you know? <laughs> percent. This yeah. is why Batman Ninja is like so dope, and we should do it for the podcast. We should, we should, <laughs> and bring back. Um, David. Uh, yeah, David. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Because he's the Batman guy. He's um, he he is Batman. I'm pretty I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> he just moonlights as Batman. <laughs> right. He named his cat Batman. Fun fat. <laughs> That's awesome. Fast um, lazy cat. 
<laughs> There's nothing like Batman. He's definitely retired Batman. That's hilarious. Yeah. But so yeah, so like, you know, this this unknown master saves her. And then you have this moment where they all collide, right? The yeah, masters collide. Sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, she tries to take on the the rival, but obviously that character is never going to be good enough, right? right? So the he's got to swoop in and <laughs> and so they have that battle at, at his uh, abode or whatever where he collapses the house on him and like mm-hmm. you know, it's and you see the shit lit in all weird. the mo- like movies now, like any movie that deals with fucking uh, hero, yeah, at all, yeah. I mean, pretty much Joseph Campbell like looked at this and I'm like, yeah, there's the hero's journey, like, <laughs> right yeah. There. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not as simplistic as that, but basically, you know, you, this this these archetypes and this plot is pretty much what you see right like nowadays sure i mean you can look even even things like the names of the characters you know like you have golden swallow you know Mm -hmm. and uh the jade face tiger you know they're like named after animals and then the the drunk guy is the drunken knight or the drunken cat the drunken cat yeah exactly so it's like they're, they're all like um named after animals that like represent like how they move through the space and like their physicality Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and like the 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 you're right like the whole drunken master thing it's like everywhere yeah i mean jackie chan literally was the drunken master for a while sure sure yeah like you know like if you see it in like a blizzard video game that that it they're just ripping it from somewhere and they have like drunken masters everywhere Mm -hmm. yeah in in all of their video games and even if it's not drunken master it's the like it's the uh like hobo master like right. or like the, yeah. the master that's hidden as like someone who's very very yeah. lonely it's like the recluse or yeah. um hermit the hermit, the hermit yeah, master yeah, yeah. yeah i don't want the or hobo's peasant. not right but yeah like a peasant yeah. or yeah it's like just this weird traveler guy who doesn't give a fuck about anything yeah. but it's still a master um i watched a movie when i was went to Amsterdam that was like it was call of call of heroes or something yeah. one one of the guys was literally just like a fucking wandering dirty gross <laughs> fuck who actually is a master he's the drunken fuck like, he's the drunken fuck yeah. the drunken cat fuck <laughs> so like you know it's it's a very common 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 um archetype to have this right. this hidden master and the character the main character always comes upon them yeah you know what i mean they sure. they get they the main character always thinks that they're hot shit and they are to some degree you know her fight scene in the in the in at the beginning yeah, she's cool. hot shit yeah but they get in over their head yeah and that other that master has to right. come in and and, and a lot of the time, yeah, out. like you said, like the master is there or he's watching. He's but you doing don't, stuff. But yeah. you don't know. Yeah, and exactly. then you're like, oh, shit. And in this movie, <laughs> they make it a little obvious that he's helping her. But like, right. yeah, the, like, sometimes you don't necessarily know yeah. that they're helping. They're kind of like the God figure yeah. at certain points. Yeah. You know? Right. <clears throat> Wait, and that is literally a Joseph Campbell's like um, hero's journey point is like the... Uh, help from I forgot what it was called, but it's like help from the master or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, Star Wars, dude. Yeah, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, literally yeah. Yeah. is fucking drunken cat from this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, drunken horny yeah. cat, man. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, one Alec, point, one his name is Alec Guinness, like, the guy who played him. So there you so. go. Yeah. <laughs> he's just drinking Guinness the whole time. Awesome. Awesome connection. He does look Irish. No, George Lucas relied so heavily on Japanese and Chinese filmmaking. It's amazing. Oh, uh, Alec Guinness. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that joke again. <laughs> That's funny. I couldn't um, help it. <laughs> I think also what come drink with me did too was the the famous or sort of stereotypical dubbing yeah that comes with these types of films yeah did you guys watch the dubbed version i only had the dubbed version i only yeah. had the dubbed version i yeah. wish i yeah, had that's the what i watched i really I amazon prime baby is there amazon is there a, <laughs> is there a dubbed or is there a sub version though i don't, I don't think, think there so. is i mean oh. you, there might be like over in hong kong but I mean, well, it was fucking horrible. It, it was, was but that's brutal. part of the it's charm so of it, though, you know? But, it is part of the but charm. But that's like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, fucking the Bruce Lee films right. did that yeah. a little bit later. You know, you just you have this voiceover of people who might be speaking English, but really terribly, so you <laughs> dub them. Yeah. Or they're not speaking English at all, so you dub them. Yeah. And then you come up with what that kind of cliche, like... You know, their mouth is moving differently, but yeah. they're speaking English thing. Yeah. It's the same for, like, a lot of the spaghetti westerns, too. Oh, yeah, you know, totally. Same, same sort of thing. Italians are big in that. I mean, all yeah. of fucking uh, Argento's films are yep, that's true. poorly dubbed. Yeah, Suspiria right. is yeah. not dubbed well. Suspiria is a terrible dub. Yeah. It's still an amazing movie. But it, Oh, yeah. But um, Deep Red is, like, even worse with that. Yeah, there's really. some really bad... bad. Yeah. I mean... So, it's just something that... It happened. I mean, yeah. People don't and like, like to read. I think I don't mind the dubbing where like the lips don't match the voice. I don't really. I don't really. I mean, it bugs me a little bit. <laughs> but I don't really mind it as much as I mind the like fact that the characters like it. It like like especially with the the jade face tiger guy. It just felt like someone took a look at him and just guessed what his voice would be like. <laughs> yeah, and it just it totally takes the characters like potential complexities and um boxes them up into like this crappy one-dimensional right. character yeah you know what i mean like totally i feel like a person's voice is like so important it's almost more important than how they look uh and the fact that that was taken from these characters really just kind of sucks yeah because there's like no inflection you know what I mean? Like, or no, no nuance, no nuance. Like, plus too. some of the actual yeah. translation was like oh, the they did not say so that. shitty. They literally that's like yeah. a colloquialism. Yeah. from yeah. the nineties. Yeah, like the, you know uh, something like <laughs> yeah. so, like the scratch, the itch, or like yeah, like, exactly. I was like, they don't. I doubt they use that exactly. that phrase. Yeah, and then there was a one time where he's like, "I implore you," and I'm like, he, just like a bit ago, he wasn't using. Like words like implore, right. you know, like, yeah. it's like it was just like all, yeah. all of a sudden, like yeah, exactly. Right. I think the uh, subtitler or the, or the, uh, the translator took a smoke break and the assistant filled in for that. <laughs> I think my, my, <laughs> <for> that word. <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite part of the film is when that like boy gets that like dart in his eye. Yeah, and the kid is like pull it out or whatever. And it's like they, <laughs> they pull it out, and then the guys are like. You you are so cold hearted. <laughs> it's like, it was it was amazing, dude. It makes me wonder if like they even knew what they were saying. 
you, you know what I mean? Like, or if they yeah. were just like, hey, this works for this movie. Because, like, a lot of it was, like, paint, like, you know, it, like, there's, I'm not saying there's rules to screenwriting at all, because I don't think there are. But there are phrases that are just really painful that you hear in movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that should be retired, but could work again under the right circumstance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it felt like this movie was just like all those, like throughout. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. It was like, like it felt like it felt like here we go again. You know, like just it was like a university student who was in the like second year of Mandarin. They had translating everything. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they had to fill in like a bunch yeah. of gaps. That's uh, hilarious. I mean, there were so many stereotypical, uh, like, kind of just very melodramatic, like, phrases that they so would say. Like, yeah, I don't even, I couldn't even give you a good example, yeah. but yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty melodramatic. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to say whether that's like, hey, this is a product of the time or of the, the culture, but I feel like there is that extra element of, like, this is actually just the dub. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I so I so want like the actual like translation of this with a subtitle. I know. Because I f- with, like with the true subtitle because I I I I feel like there's some cultural importance that I missed out on by by doing the dub. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it would sound cooler yeah. with the Chinese yeah, yeah, for sure. Language. Like, because he had, like, the singing in, in, like, Mandarin or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. Which, which is so weird. With no, no translation. That was, was so weird. Cause, and, then, like and, then the, yeah. and then the little kid's voice is like, Excuse me for my terrible singing. Oh. <laughs> I was like, What the fuck? Yeah. It was well, so weird. On, on Amazon, you had the option to, like, turn on the captions. And I turned on the captions for the song, and the captions just said, <laughs> Chinese people singing. <laughs> that sounds so right. It's like, that oh, I guess so I'll turn right. these back oh, off again. God damn it, dude. <laughs> Netflix f- does that sometimes. Oh they'll just be God, like, you know, so native bad. language or something. That's so bad. Or like people speaking in Chinese. That's You're like, dude, so I turned this on so I can understand Holy what they're saying. Yeah, like, why did you even subtitle this? <laughs> I, I, I just imagine Jacob just being like, this is the best part of the movie. I'm going to just rewind the singing over and over and over again. <laughs> and I had to listen to the singing again. <laughs> oh That's my fucking God. Hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I also really liked the editing to show the, for the fantasy elements. So they would cut mm-hmm. like when she jumped from the table to the top of the fucking <laughs> yeah. the inn and it just like cuts her just, up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's so funny. It's like so laughable now because nowadays you get this really cool like you actually see them go places. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? But in this it's like you don't actually see it. You just have to assume that it happened. It's almost like you know she I mean? like transported there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there's even like there's even one cut, and I was totally laughing uh, when this <laughs> happened. But there's one cut where like it, that happens, where like they jump from one point to another, and it cuts back to a character who like looks around confused, like where did they go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like no, I don't think that's what you're trying to do. I think you're trying to like show that they went there. I don't think they're supposed to be confused. It's amazing. I love yeah. like, like that part at the beginning where they're like having that first battle. I think it was, and the guy like cuts the guy's arm and he's like holding his his like the guy's hand and he just looks at it like yeah, and then it just like. <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so like oh, it's so cheesy it's and so shit hilarious. but I could t- at the time you could tell though that it was probably like pretty like gnarly yeah you know yeah because like for 1966 i was like i was surprised how much like like you know amputated limbs and blood there were yeah i was like hell yeah this is dope and like you could tell it's just some dude like right underneath the the camera that just has like a basin of blood that just goes like that like like at the end it squirts when he stabs the abbot and the abbot falls into the river and clearly it's two people on the side of the screen throwing buckets of water to show the splash Water doesn't come from he, like, above. It's yeah. funny too because he falls and you hear the splash. You hear the yeah. shh, and then and like then... a second later, <laughs> the buckets come in. <laughs> like they missed their cue. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh... But it's all, it's all like a part of the charm of it, you know. For yeah, me, absolutely. because like all of 100%. them are like that. I feel you know. It also, I mean, it set the precedent. Like they yeah. didn't know how to cheaply do some of the more fantastical elements yeah. of her jumping. So they yeah. just did the cut, mm-hmm. yeah. which makes sense. It's a film. You can do that. But that led to the Crouching Tiger style. Right. It's like showing yeah. them yeah. fucking flying through trees, you know. Right. And, and stuff, like the so. spectacle. Yeah. Like it was yeah. like, hey, you have to imagine the spectacle. Right. And then it, that turned into, why don't we just have that be the thing that they're doing? Exactly. And yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because that's way more interesting. Exactly. Like that, that towards the end, that guy, he's got the, like the, air or whatever the fuck that's coming out of him oh yeah he's like you know and stuff like that was actually pretty cool like i was like Mm -hmm. damn like for the time i mean it like this viewers are probably like oh shit how'd they do that you know oh totally yeah totally i mean sometimes even i'm still like how the hell they do yeah right yeah (laughs) because like even if we wanted to recreate some of the cheesiness it would be hard to recreate hard you know yeah Yeah. like totally yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, yeah. it's it, it was impressive. And so, you know, pulling together fight scenes like that is still oh, takes fuck. time and yeah. effort and choreography. Just the choreography, and, choreography of that yeah. and just making sure no one was going to get hurt and shit. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I bet there were a, probably a whole bunch of people that got hurt in the making of that movie. Totally. I mean, totally. even like the fake rock scene, you know, mm-hmm. it was like craw- crawling down or, you know, or crashing down on the people and stuff. Right. That scene I mean, they great. Were, like, yeah, it's just, like so over the top, but like. Totally. Or when awesome. he catches the rocks with his finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The paper mache so rock. Amazing, dude. The, yeah, clearly <laughs> fake rock. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, I, cool. I, I got s- strong vibes uh, when watching this, probably just because of the age of this movie, but uh, to like the adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. In it, like the, how the action s- scenes kind of play out. Like they're, they're, they're also like these wide shots for the action scenes, and like they're just chock full of mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. like. I don't want to say bad choreography just because uh, because it's just like that is what it was at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, you could, like, tell that the swords were rubber. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, it's very obvious. Yeah. And um, I feel like a big part of that is just the sound. Like, nowadays, right. like, you can have a rubber sword, but if it sounds like a sword, that's a real sword. Right, you know what I mean? right absolutely yeah it's, absolutely but, yeah i'd be really curious to see like a re-edit of of some of, of like come drink with me or some of these older movies where like the action doesn't really hold up and like to see if like adding like all this sound to it would make it more um not not more watchable but just like better i think it would more engaging i think it would for sure yeah, yeah. 
Because, like, every sword hit is, like, the same sword hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah. For every single scream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's do a quick little uh, round table. This is actually really hard for me. It'll really... I know. This is... So, we switched to the kind of bi-weekly model with these. So, it's tough to kind of... Huh. I might have to start writing down <laughs> which one I liked more. Fuck. Um, yeah, I'm... I am still struggling to decide between the two of them. I'm pretty solid, so you guys can pick for me first. Okay, let's do Keith first. Um, and then we can. Oh, this is tough. It's still tough for me, though. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. So, this is going against my gut. Oh, no, no, no. This is going with my gut and against my brain. <laughs> uh, my brain says that you like come drink with me more because of the archetypes, because it's straightforward, um, because you really like it. Um, it also is saying that you hate Ashes of Time because of the narration over under uh, under the whole thing. Oh, I forgot there was narration. <laughs> 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 Which <laughs> makes sense because you didn't bring it up at all during the podcast. God damn, okay. Um, but my gut says it's Ashes of Time because of the, the look, the sound, um, and although it has that narration, I think part, part of you uh, was tickled. A little bit by that uh, by that narration because it is pretty good. Um, I also think that you would give "Come Drink with Me" another shot if it wasn't the dubbed version. Um, but I think because the dubbed version is the only one that we watched, I think it is "Ashes of Time." Um, fuck, this is tough. I really think that like "Come Drink with Me" is like your type of movie. Like, I think it holds, like, it has so much of what you like in it. Because it's just a fun, like, enjoyable movie, especially if you're in that mood. I mean, it's like it it checks all the boxes for a wuxia film. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really good. Um, It's stereotypical. And I feel like you like, like, in a lot of your pitches, you kind of follow that style of, like, here's the archetypes. Yeah. I mean, it's just a classic. I just, it just... I mean, and you love Yojimbo. Not that this is like a Yojimbo, but it just has that like feel to it. But I, 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 for some reason, I just think that maybe you like Ashes of Time more. I think you wanted, definitely wanted more action. I think if it had more action, it would be an easy pick for me to say like, yeah, definitely Ashes of Time. But I think what's really gotten it for me is I think Wong Kar Wai has really surprised you. I think he's kind <laughs> of like a director that you're like, holy shit, like... I wasn't familiar with his work, but this is definitely a guy that's like a really, really, really talented, knows what he's doing in his own way. Um, and I think you respect the fact that he just took, just like Dario Gento with horror, with Suspiria, he just took uh, the Wuja film to like a different, he put his own stamp to it. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that, Ashes of Time. What did you, what did you pick again, Jacob? Sorry. just you I picked Tom. Ashes of Time. time despite in or yeah despite the narration right, right but it's also right. one of those ones where i feel like maybe you would go watch come drink with me before you would go watch ashes with of ashes of time almost like you know what i mean like you yeah. you'd almost watch come drink with me more but ashes of time is still maybe like just better i don't know it's really I don't interesting know. i think maybe you study come drink with me more but oh. your ashes of time is like I don't actually. I don't know if you'd watch Ashes of Time again. <laughs> yeah, um, I think academically, Come Drink with Me is your choice. But for Keith, it's Ashes of Time. I think that's pretty spot on. 
cool. Ashes of Time, I think, is my choice. Because it is funny. It's like a weird, like, Malikian yeah, Usha it is. movie. Yeah, it's so fucking 100%. weird. Yeah, definitely. Um, Feeling that. And then, with, with all the, like, cuts to, like, the ocean. And yeah, the cuts to, and yeah. the complete, and the like, plotlessness. As, yeah. And, like, and maybe part of it, I think, is that I wasn't necessarily in the mindset for Come Drink With Me. It was good. And I think you guys kind of nailed a, a good parts of it. it. It's just weird. I'm at this weird transition point of like, fo- like I'm with my writing. I'm trying to focus on character and mm. building character, so archetypes come into it a lot. So that's why my plots are like that. Right. But with my directing, I'm like in this mode where Wong Kar Wai came at me at a time where I'm trying to develop a more complex visual. Mm aesthetic like i feel yeah. like my visualization is simplistic whereas his films really like force you to consider the right. frame the full yeah. frame i guess hmm. so it's just it's really weird yeah and i i do tend to focus more on the directing side and his directing is very yeah. very interesting yeah and i think it's just this, this time in my like development where like he just it's just like I'm very attracted to his his style right. of work. Oh, cool. Um, and I I I literally forgot that Ash of the Time had narration in it, um, but I was pretty pretty like enveloped by that movie. It pretty much just yeah. sucked me in. It was Sweet. pretty stuck. Yeah, I definitely wish there was more fighting. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I was really trying to figure out what was going on because I know people said it was confusing. So I was like, you know, yeah, I really want to understand this. Um, so I paid a lot more attention to it. Where I knew kind of when you start to watch Come Drink With Me, you immediately get that this is like going to be very straightforward. Right. And you're mm-hmm. only in it to kind of watch these specific types of characters do what you expect them to do, basically. Exactly, yeah. And, but I did like how Come Drink With Me was like you immediately are like that director, that director, that, that. They pulled from this, they pulled from that, they pulled from yeah. that. Like, you can see where this movie really stretches his tentacles out and really has like all these different places that's involved in right um but yeah ashes of time and i might rewatch come drink with me it would be cool to see it with the sub and have the actual like mandarin yeah yeah um but i probably would i actually kind of want to rewatch ashes of time because it is just so fucking weird yeah it's 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 a weird movie it's just so different um and it's just kind of again like it's at this time in my directorial like development in life where it just kind of works yeah one car why kind of works for me right now so Sweet. hence why i thought in the mood for love was actually a great movie because I, I thought i was gonna hate it honestly um but it was it was a dude nice i surprise. love that i love that <clears throat> one car why is like getting you into the romance a little genre, yeah right a little bit but also is like hey here's what you can do with vo that's really cool that's yeah. true yeah i've softened so a little bit to the like, voiceover i love that he's bringing you over to my side yeah. but i wish yeah. I, I just wish and i think part of it is that with ashes of time he is he is describing like a narrative but mm-hmm. sometimes it's like i like poetic voiceover i like mm. when it's sort of like just giving you some ideas and then you mix that in which is why yeah. i like tree of life and voyage of time so much because it's like they'll kind of just say something mm-hmm. and it won't be anything that's more than just what's said 
You know what Gee, I mean? Yeah. And and it's not used to like fix yeah things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about like Chunking Express and Fallen Angels. And I gotta watch those now. Uh, Twenty forty six. Wong Kar Wai yeah, is a trip, dude. He's Maybe we really... should do a Wong Kar Wai uh, series. We're going to have to. Because yeah. I love his shit. I'm really digging great. his stuff a lot. Fallen, a lot. Fallen Angels is like possibly my favorite like Hong Kong film. Oh. <laughs> I'm also I am really liking Tony Lung. Like, Tony we've Lung covered awesome. him in a lot of yeah, stuff. Tony Hard Lung Boiled, awesome. Hero. Mm. Yeah. Fucking this movie, Ash of the Time. Um, fucking um, the one. I, I want to see. I think he's in. That. In the mood for love, obviously. Like I think he's in Ang Lee's film Lust Caution, right? I think he's in that. Maybe. Could be wrong. Lust but that's Caution. one that that's an Ang Lee film I haven't seen yet. I'd like to check it out. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> My knowledge doesn't right. go back that far. All that weed. I know. Um, all right, <laughs> let's uh, let's do me. Okay. Next. Sure. Oh, if you man, got it, do me. <clears throat> if you got it, <clears throat> excuse me. If you got one picked. Um, it's it's hard, but I'll have one. By the I feel like for it's... much of the same reasons as me, I think Jacob is with Ashes of Time, where you you specifically, <clears throat> I've noticed this quite a few times, where you talk about this edit. There's one edit in a movie that always sticks out to you as like uh, this moment <laughs> that is very important. And you said it with Come Drink With Me, too. But it was Ashes of Time that stuck, that, that edit stuck with you, that cut. And then obviously with the way that it, it was when we were talking about the basket scene and stuff. And I think just like... Oh, the impact. Yeah. Sure. The cut. And you did this with Rope a long, 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 long time ago. Um, 100%. You, you, there's there's always one part that's like boom that cut and you're just like whoa uh, and I think with Ashes of Time with the way that it flow, it's so flowy and the cuts are used at very particular moments whereas Come Drink With Me is kind of just like all over and the editing for Come Drink With Me is interesting though too but mm-hmm. I think Ashes of Time has that like timelessness it's got these interesting characters you were confused but I don't know. It's a. It's kind of endearing in that way, though. Mm. It's just kind of a. It's weird. It sticks with you, you know. Uh I can see you like lust caution. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> I can see you liking both of these movies, but I'm gonna have to go with Ashes of Time because you do have that like editor's eye, and I think it's just super fucking impressive to like edit um, like this movie in 93 minutes Mm -hmm. and just like the way like you know the editing and the blocking and everything just kind of all works so yeah i mean and i feel like i don't know i've never heard you at least i don't remember hearing you say that the i don't know the 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 simplistic simplistic kind of melodramatic nature of come drink with me i don't know if i've ever heard you say that you're interested in that type of thing i could be wrong with that but there's something about it that just is not like as deep as ash the time is like a lot of your movies a lot of your choices i've noticed you you do look for like a certain depth in the movie mm-hmm. and i don't think come drink with me just has that so i think ash is a time yeah i mean you guys are both entirely spot on <laughs> um I, I i think the i love ashes of time and uh the editing really is like where that movie sits with me 
Uh, also, like how the editing works with the camera, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved um, reading about this film and, and learning that it's like this like horrible production history mm-hmm. and like it got lost and they had to pull all this crappy footage and i love crappy footage you know because <laughs> i love like i love making it because it looks so unique you know on um it looks like a choice like when you use crappy footage totally. um it looks it feels intentional and this is a movie that like takes garbage footage and like makes it work you know, and I love all the slow motion stuff that they did. Um, so yeah, every everything about Ashes of Time I loved. <clears throat> My one biggest complaint that almost switches me over is that there's too much like effects on it, mm-hmm. and I, I I wish that there, like it, it felt like, um, like Tarantino's like what uh, the Grindhouse, the Death Proof. You know, it felt like. There's too much like happening, like okay. the effects. Here. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, and like with the color and stuff. Oh, even though I loved it and it would make an awesome music video, um, I just wish that it was toned back a little bit so the color and the effects could be more impactful in those <laughs> moments. You know what I mean? <clears throat> totally. Yeah. Um, so that I think that's like my only complaint about it. But I, I would totally watch it again just to get a sense of like how it's all cut together with the, with the cinematography and with with the editing. Absolutely. Um, I think a second watch definitely would make the movie more clear. Yeah. When you kind of I didn't mind being lost, honestly, because it was so visually interesting to me mm-hmm. uh, and the and it sounded great. I didn't mind like just sitting in like I don't know what's happening, but I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, which is rare for me in a movie that that happens. Cool. I'm super curious because <clears throat> you mentioned the kind of bad using the bad footage and stuff. I'm very curious to hear your opinion on trash trash humpers when we get around to it. Well, because I love, like, crappy-looking aesthetics, you know? Like, um, or just, like, aesthetics that are different than just what you could just get out of a camera. Because they're they're just... um, It's just... I'm so sick of looking at, like, the same DSLR footage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That whenever I try to make something, I'm like, okay, how can I make this not look like dslr footage you know what i mean like how do i how do i like change the look of this so it's like hey it feels like a like a choice like i've done frame rate fucking with that stuff i've done like hey let's speed it up a pinch you know i've even done like some weird scaling stuff where like i i i scale like the horizontal thing so it looks a little fat you know what i mean yeah um so yeah i mean I'm curious what I would think of Trash Humpers too, because it's it's literally I mean it's literally garbage aesthetic like it's it's shot I think he literally shot it on like he DVD shot it tape. he shot it and he edited it on VHS too yeah it's like crap he edited he yeah like that's yeah, yeah he edited it like VCR to VCR shit which is what makes it yeah. so fucking creepy when you watch oh, dude, it it's like, amazing yeah cool that's great cool that's great because I love like Festin I love. Um, that Danny yeah, Boyle festival, yeah. or whatever with the the DV style. Oh yeah, so I I don't mind going back a generation and and going to VHS. Nice, you know? awesome, cool. Yeah, I'm glad. Ashes of Time is is, and I think uh, with Byron here for a lot of the exact same reasons. I think as both of us, there's uh, uh I mean, 
I've watched your movies. I mean, they, they yeah. come out in the same way. Yeah. I mean, in the <laughs> yeah. se- but in a more, <clears throat> your color is more like modern in the sense of like, you know, Ashes of Time looks like they just kind of put like a purple yellow right. filter. Right. Yeah. And then, right. Yeah. Whereas you'll take a light that might have been blue and crank it around right. so that it's yeah. a different color. So yeah. I think that, you're, you know, your aesthetic lives in color, lives in that's just that style yeah I mean, just i mean you've seen your kind of camera float around people yeah before you know so <laughs> i think uh, it's got to be ashes yeah same I, I uh ashes is definitely like this this is just like here's something that's really moody versus here's something that's really like hollywood style you know uh and i think you tend towards the moody um, as you have said many times on the <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah. before. Um, I think the only thing that would change your Chung. opinion here is if, like, <laughs> is if May- yeah, Maggie Chung. Yeah. So, yeah, Maggie Chung. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the, what were you going to say? The only thing that would change his opinion? Oh, um, I was just going to make a joke about Forrest Gump. But oh. I, I like the Maggie <laughs> Chung oh, yeah. joke better, so let's pretend that, that was mine. Yeah, right. no, it's definitely Ashes of Time. I mean, I liked Come Drunk, Come Drink With Me. It's, it's <laughs> Come Drunk, Come Drunk With Me. What a weird title for that movie, too. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, if I, when I'm in the mood for those type of movies, I'm, I'm going to definitely remember Come Drink With Me and yeah. maybe watch it again because it's like so, you know, <sighs> perfect for that type you know but for me i mean ashes of time i just i'm just a big wong car y fan and i hadn't seen this one before so i was i was like oh fuck yeah like yeah um yeah i yeah all the faults with it that you guys said i share those same sentiments i you know but at the same time i i still like really enjoyed it you know Mm -hmm. it's good yeah but the sound is there man the sound is it's that music and like yeah just that music really got me I mean, the the mm-hmm. visuals too, but like it was really the music that sucked me in. That I was like, I I found myself kind of leaning in, like with the remote, like putting the up, the volume up, a little up, bit yeah. louder, you know? Like it's yeah. like, oh yeah, this is this is this is great, and um, yeah, yeah, I'll probably listen to that soundtrack, you know, as other Wong Kar Wai films and on my the soundtrack phone. go. It doesn't stop. No, I think there's a soundtrack yeah, almost, the, entire like the entire movie. time. It's not. It's yeah. It's not very sense. silent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because even it's in your face. Yeah. Even when it's like a slow scene where you know it's showing him like caress his shoulder yeah. or something like or move into his pants like yeah. It, it's just yeah. like music. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That yeah, part that was always yeah the music there was really good. I feel like uh, we said this about in the mood for love, where like y- you said you could watch the movie without dialogue mm-hmm. i wonder if you could do the same thing with ashes of time possibly but the, i do remember there being a shot that goes on for a while where he's standing where it's like her in the forefront and then he's standing in the darkened hallway oh uh, yeah and then it just sits on that shot for kind of like a while yeah it's just some chat <laughs> yeah it would be hard because it's so focused it, around the talking yeah I think it is. I think it'd be really hard. I think you could do like you could do kind of like a trailer with no dialogue. Yeah, right. Like a cool like music video sort of thing. Yeah. But it would be hard to get the intricacies of like, like you said, you know, the 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 
the West or North Venom or, you know, all the... I mean, literally so much relies on the narration. Yeah. I think about it. Right. I wonder if it's just, like, if you had the narration. I don't know. I'm just... Maybe with just the narration, that would be super interesting. That would be interesting, yeah. Because then you'd have the narration and you'd have the the season changes. Yeah. 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 I like that. There's just something, like, so... like Like, the movie is so much about how it feels with the music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah uh that it feels like that is what the movie is you you know Mm -hmm. what i mean versus the plot totally it feels like that's more important than like what happens which is why i liked it yeah yeah Yeah, i think what because what happens is fairly inconsequential right in the grand scheme of things it really is but i feel like if you know the book and you read the book this movie is amazing yeah like i I feel like if you know the characters like this is like the best thing that could come out of a prequel to a book. Also, what a great way to do it. Like, don't make the book. Right. Make a the yeah. prequel story for the book. Which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Because then you're not trying to you're not trying to please people who like the book. Yeah. You're, you're creating a backstory which may exist to some degree yeah. from the book, but then you're like elaborating, growing on it. That. Yeah. yeah. So no, I think book. that's yeah. a, I think it's a really cool idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. So versus doing like a sequel where it's like you could just like ruin the characters exactly yeah. you know what i mean yeah, exactly. but if you do a prequel then it's like hey let's make these characters uh maybe we'll take this character that kind of seems a little bit flat in the book i haven't read the book but i imagine that could be the case and let's like make him really depthful exactly. you know what yeah, I mean? exactly yeah exactly cool all right ash is a time for all of us yeah uh, but definitely both are are worth a watch, I think, uh, especially yeah. considering the fact that yeah, Weinstein and Tarantino just a, just about remade Come Drink with Me. So obviously Tarantino's heavily influenced by it, and I, it'd be interesting to watch that one and then watch Kill Bill Volume One. Yeah, yeah. Because even the fucking Lucy Lube uh, Uma Thurman scene mm. is very reminiscent of yeah. the master mm-hmm. scene, even the way it's like lit. Me. Yeah. yeah, partially like on their mm-hmm. faces and stuff. Yeah, and they're 100%. they're both in this um, sort of. Uh, beautiful sort of heightened unrealistic setting mm-hmm. like they go behind mm-hmm. the fucking bar and there's like yeah. this this eden back there yeah like, what? yeah and then yeah. the master and <laughs> me has like his little like hut which is very beautiful and, yeah like, you know and then they kind of destroy things as they fight it's like it's yeah, yeah. he pretty much watched country with me <laughs> and made kill bill while he's, he's a big writing. fan of uh run run shaw's like productions though like all totally those, all those films totally for sure I bet you he has some original prints. Oh, uh, I would yeah. Imagine yeah. he probably has an original print of Come Drink with Me. <laughs> probably, probably, he probably plays he probably it at has. his at his theater. Oh, dude, that'd be so cool. Go to the freaking New Beverly and watch yeah. that. Oof, that'd be dope. All right. Um, so, if you have any questions or opinions, hit us up at email b2bfilmspodcast at gmail Check out our Facebook page, Back to Back Films. If you like the show, please rate it uh, wherever you listen because it helps others find us. Uh, especially those who listen via iOS, Apple Podcasts, stuff like that. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely our our biggest audience. So hit the ratings there. It's you know you don't have to review. Just pop a star rating. You know it's just a click. It really helps us out. Helps us grow. Helps us learn what we need to be doing. Um, how we can change things. Uh, if you feel like you want to support the show even further, uh, Anchor has developed a way to send money to uh, creators you know, through their site. So it's up to you. The show will be what it is. Um, but obviously any financial anything helps. 
know, we pay for equipment, we pay for, we have our time and stuff like that. So, but if you don't, you don't. It's all right. Uh, you can also follow us on Letterboxd at Jacob Foltz, Byron Gouet, G O U E T T E, and Hyperion Creator for me. And make sure you check out Jacob's podcast, Cinema Therapy. Uh, which where are you at now? Um, I did not release the episode because um, it's not finished. But I uh, <laughs> plan on finishing it um, by next Monday. So cool. after this weekend, um, I had a bunch of things come up with work and yeah. oh my god, dude, it's I've it's it's too much. But it finally slowed down. <laughs> um, so now I think I can. Um, do it but however i do have a job pending right now for this week so uh it might not you know <laughs> <laughs> so just uh check out the yeah. cinema therapy podcast.com i ha- i have like rough release release dates for all the episodes there um but yeah i should it should it should be out soon nice it'll be yeah. it'll be out soon i'm yeah. definitely i didn't stop working on it if that's people are concerned about that it's the life of a freelancer you're you know when you're up to it you're really up to it and when you're when you have nothing going on you really have nothing going on feast your famine yeah it really is feast your famine i i can't say no to jobs no totally i mean i can but like i don't i don't want right because you never know when they're going away exactly exactly yeah yeah. and i've I've kind of been more in the they went away and haven't come back (laughs) portion of it so i feel that um Cool, cool. Uh, that's kind of why we we switched our style. Our so okay. So I guess we should talk about that a little bit too. So Do we it. switched to kind of a biweekly model. Uh, we realized we don't like that very much, but we still don't have the time to kind of push the weekly main episodes. So what we're gonna do, I think, is. We're going to do main episodes every two weeks. That gives us time to watch the movies, develop our ideas, and then in between. We will do some topical, short episodes, topical, what's going on in the film world. Um, our our structure doesn't really give us a lot of ability to kind of talk about stuff that we might want to talk about, such as like Suspiria, you know, film festivals going on, Oscar season, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think we're, st- we're going to switch to weekly again, uh, but it's going to be kind of an every other week the episodes will change or every week they'll change so yeah so expect them if you like the main stuff expect that every two weeks um if you want a little bit more on top of that uh check out the stuff in between yeah where we kind of just kind of go over some stuff um and we're gonna keep it all on the same podcast yeah yeah. thing so like you just stay subscribed and you can get all of this yep um in the in the same way but really this comes from a place of like we just want to talk about more recent news because yeah. there's like so much cool shit out there that's happening now yeah but we still want to do like the academic stuff and like look back at yeah. films right. like between um, us three we talk about this stuff but there's no reason to not have it out there yeah, why not exactly. talk about it in a more public yeah. forum yeah yeah you like know? our yeah our like f- group text that that we float <laughs> around is just f- chock full of just like hey did you guys see this yeah. hey did you guys see that <laughs> exactly. and we're like well why don't we just bring this to the listeners yeah. in our spare time which was keith's idea and was a great one for sure Um, thank you yeah totally doing it cool all right i look forward to doing that so we'll kick it off next week um which is some topical stuff it'll be different kind of than what byron and i have done before with some stuff it'll it'll be a little less you know it's just whatever we decide to bring to the table at that point um Mm -hmm. not not necessarily what is uh you know hot the hot ticket item at the moment 
mm-hmm. you know, because Byron was saying how he kind of came across the new new director that he's really into. So, you know, we'll talk. Yeah, we might do some that. like quick reviews or whatever. Movie reviews yeah. if we if we've watched something like we never got a chance to talk about. Sorry to bother you. Yep. Just due to our format. Um. So you know, just just little things like that. Whatever we want to talk about that's film related at the time, uh, we'll talk about it. Hell and then yeah! We'll be bringing uh, Pitch Fest every week still. Um, one related to the main episode topic, and then another one. Yeah, one <laughs> <of> some degree, <laughs> yeah. to some degree. So I feel, I feel like my wife is really gonna love this new setup because now I'm not gonna have an outlet. Like I don't need to talk to her about every film thing that comes <laughs> into my mind. I can just yeah. save it for you guys. <laughs> there you go. So I think she'll she'll be happy about this. Nice, good. I'm glad we can help your marriage out. Okay. It's uh, really just. It's all hanging on you guys. You know? <laughs> a lot of pressure. Well, I can, no pressure. I can see your marriage failing in the next like year then. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I love you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So the next uh, main episode, we will be talking. We kind of had to shift some stuff around because we do actually. There's a lot of films coming out here in the next couple months we want to talk about. Hell yeah. Actually in the main episode. So what we're going to do for the meantime is a topic that is byron's favorite topic favorite genre one of, them, of yeah, films for sure. um chosen <laughs> chosen by him the movies are chosen by him <laughs> your eyes <laughs> i'm just uh, I'm like, something turned I'm on speaking, yeah <laughs> something got turned on so we're gonna do erotic thrillers <laughs> with <laughs> the films basic instinct and bad timing um and uh, bad timing or no, I was thinking Bad Lieutenant, not Bad Timing. Never mind. But yeah, so Basic Instinct, Bad Timing, they're both pretty classic um, erotic thrillers. And uh, Byron will kind of kind of show us around. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about his interest. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he's going to hold the doll and point to things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some... Oh, there's so much good stuff to talk about with both of these movies, so I'm Absolutely. looking forward to it. And I haven't sure. seen either one, so it'll be cool. Oh, right on. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. I don't, Same, I don't I touch on the erotic thriller genre. Just with that much, with so. bad timing, just it's all about going through the whole film. So like just hang in there. That's We've not... watched a couple movies that are like that though. <laughs> Suddenly my excitement just died. No, I'm just <laughs> Oh, it's, it's very Rogue. interesting. It's very oh, yeah, interesting. It's very interesting, but it's just I just just if it's too weird for you, just don't give up on it. I still need to finish fucking Don't Look Now, dude. I'm so bad. How much mustard is in this And movie? it's just like is Don't it... Look Now in the sense that it's all about the end. Uh, so you gotta... You gotta I really, really gotta watch Don't Look Now. I gotta sit down and do that. All right. Is, it, is there a lot of mustard in uh, Bad Timing? What do you mean by mustard? mustard? <laughs> you know the old saying, like, too much mustard on the hot dog. Is there is there too much mustard on this hot dog? I don't think so. Okay. I think it's, it's probably just... Ketchup. I think it's the perfect amount of mustard. Oh god! Starring just... Art Garfunkel. <laughs> what? Yes, dude. Starring dude, Byron dude, likes Garfunkel. too much mustard on his hot dog. Wait, what? Byron likes more more mustard than hot dogs. <laughs> Wait, I don't I don't get this whole mustard thing. It's but, a saying. I know, it's but a saying. I think it but comes what from like would, what would be, or something. But, but what would uh, be really the mustard? Just like the mustard is like the heavy flavor, you know. But if you have too much, it's like uh, I don't think there. I don't think it's too much heavy flavor for bad timing. Okay. Yeah. I think I think it's it's good. It's different. Nicholas it's, Rogue is. It's not what guy. you guys are going to expect, but don't read too much about Bad Timing because he'll give it away. I won't. Yeah, okay, I won't. I'll read the end. All right. <laughs> Basic Instinct. But not too much. Just the end. That's not too much, right? It's like it reading is. the last page it of a is. book. It is too much. <laughs> yeah. Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct is for sure a classic of oh, the erotic. Thriller. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. 
most people, I'm sure actually most of our listeners probably have seen it, and yeah. if not... And if you guys can, watch the unrated version, if you can. Okay, so watch Unrated Basic Instinct? Yeah. Okay, so make sure, listeners, check that out. Unrated Basic Instinct, bad timing. Um, it'll be awesome. So that, that'll yeah. come out in two weeks, and then in between we'll do some some chit-chatting just about film in general. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. uh, Make sure you watch those, and thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye-bye.